Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. I am very happy and excited to have you here today because my amazing guest today is called Dr. Kira Barr, which I adore personally, and, and I am so happy to bring her message to you guys. Dr. Kira Barr is a mindfulness mentor and embodiment coach to visionary women leaders and entrepreneurs. As a dual board certified integrative dermatologist, highly sought after global speaker and international best-selling author of The Skin Whisperer, Dr. Kira has helped thousands of women across the globe uh, rise in every aspect of themselves dramatically amplifying resilience, joy, confidence in their skin. Blending science with soul, Dr. Barr shares her uh, skinny dipping method to further her mission of revolutionizing skincare as an act of radical self-care, which I absolutely love. In today's episode, we are going to take a look at the Uh, emotional physical connection basically looking at how emotions can cultivate good skin and a little bit of vice versa we're going to look at her own personal story but really what you will take away from here is a few tools and a world view of basically of mindfulness and how mindfulness and the skin are connected so i'm very excited for you to listen to this conversation before we, we start the podcast, I would just like to, to say that it would mean the world to me and to us here at the Biohacking Beauty Podcast if you took two seconds out of your day and subscribe to the podcast in any platform that you like. And the reason is it doesn't only allow you to never miss an episode, but also greatly helps with spreading the word of the Biohacking Beauty Podcast and Young Goose into the world and, and to everyone who can benefit uh, listening to it. And obviously, last and not least, I would like to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Young Goose, the biohacking skincare company. And what we do at Young Goose is we aim to lower the functional age of the skin through molecules such as NAD precursors, enhanced patented resveratrol, senolytics, a lot of fancy words that basically mean that we have the skin function like a much younger skin, and then we have it renew itself like a much younger skin for really unparalleled results. But that's enough about us. I would like you to strap on your, let's just call your warm blanket and uh, welcome a conversation with my lovely friend, Dr. Kira Barr. All right, uh, Dr. Kira Barr. First of all, welcome to the Biohacking Beauty Podcast. I'm, I'm obviously very excited having you on. As we spoke off air, I really like the information you put out there. So first of all, welcome. Thank you. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you're doing? Um, we'll start from there. <laughs> That's such a loaded, like, I know the the reason I'm asking it like that is because I feel like your information is so all encompassing. Yeah. I mean, how do you how do you even describe like integrative dermatology? It's like, okay, the end result is healthy skin, 
but you kind of need to have everything else in order. So how do you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'll name that I am not actively practicing clinical dermatology. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that has to do with when your mess becomes your mission. Mm -hmm. So about a decade ago, I was practicing clinical dermatology. I was in academics practicing uh, skin cancer and melanoma it was the focus of my specialty as well as dermatopathology. And I was running ultra marathons. I thought I was doing all the healthy things, juggling kids and a career. And I found a spot on my arm that mm -hmm. I had to diagnose as early melanoma. And that really was the wake up call for me that everything, you know, that we're told is right, like low fat diet or whatever the, the trend of the moment is and, and exercising and, and being successful in, in your career, like it was just not right for me. Mm -hmm. And my health started to snowball in a downward direction. And my traditional training and my colleagues really were offering solutions that weren't helping. And mm -hmm. it was the wake up call for me that at the root of all of that was stress. It yeah. was stress in all its different forms. And it really led me down this path of looking at integrative approaches, marriage of Eastern, Western, you know, ancestral traditions, and led me down the path of mind-body medicine. Because for me, <laughs> the biggest stress of all was uh, the mental and emotional unprocessed stress and trauma that was mm -hmm. outwardly manifesting itself on the skin. Yeah. And obviously the skin is just an organ that we can look and gauge very easily, right? Like we can, it's visibly available for us to, to gauge, but I'm, I'm willing to, to bet that if we, if you were to test any organ in your body, it would have had some, some manifestation of that stress, um, oh, wherever uh, that is. Absolutely. Because it was, it wasn't just my skin. That was just the signal and the clue, mm -hmm. but it was hormonal imbalances, GYN issues, gut issues. I wound up tearing the labrum of my hip. I mean, my whole body was shouting at me that I needed to just push pause. And yeah. thankfully my skin was offering visible information that really slammed on that break. And to your point, you know, we think most of us think of skin as like something that you adorn with makeup or jewelry or clothing, but it really is a reflection of and window to our overall health and well-being. Mm -hmm. It is our ultimate barrier between us and the outside world. And it is something that can offer us so much useful information. I think many people look at their skin as something to be fixed or covered up and unfortunately, we have been socialized to believe that in many ways, but your skin can be your greatest ally and asset if you just stop and pay attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting to me, the topic of uh, burnout in general in medicine is a huge topic behind the scenes, right? I mean, I uh, was fortunate enough to participate in a few think tanks in the previous decade coming from entrepreneurship in, in health and wellness. I got invited to, to speak in a few um, like a CEO, CFOs of hospital events. And burnout is a big issue. But it's crazy to me to think that there are no set, I'd say there are no systems set in place when we're bringing up the next generation of health practitioners to kind of make sure that they are first of all, healthy in general, but also that they are mentally healthy. It's almost like 
someone has to treat their body in a suboptimal way to become a health practitioner. It's kind of a weird way to, you know, it's like uh, if, if you want to become a philosopher, you got to think very shallow and destructive thoughts for like five years, but then you're allowed to be a philosopher or whatever. <laughs> or we can think of if you're a farmer, you're only allowed to eat from, you know, packaged food for five years and then you can become a farmer. It's kind of weird, no? Yeah, it totally. It, it's the biggest oxymoron. In fact, I just gave a talk, you know, and talk about just the relationship between the brain and the skin and the mm -hmm. impact of stress. So stress can impact the skin in so many ways, and especially with regards to cancer. Mm -hmm. Stress has been shown in the literature over and over and over again about how the release of cortisol and um, the catecholamines, adrenaline, can influence a tumor microenvironment, contributing to tumor formation, progression, and so I was giving a talk the other day to allied health professionals about this and the importance for cancer survivors, why it's so important to incorporate mind-body healing. Mm -hmm. But what really came out, because I had them do some experiential practices, that each and every one of them was so agitated and so anxious and so overwhelmed. And it just highlighted and illustrated what you just shared is like, we have to make space and create that container to help heal our healers first, because otherwise we are unable to help co-regulate someone, our, our patients and our, you know, the people that we work with to support them in the way that they need to be supported, right? You cannot, that it's cliche, but we cannot pour from an empty cup, but we are expected to do that day in and day out. And it's no wonder that, you know, burnout has become such a significant issue, not just in the medical field, but in so many professional spaces. Yeah, it's, we're living in the United States, both of us. And I think this is something that in our culture is unfortunately almost something that you need to achieve in order to check a box as far as your, like your adult life, right? If you're not battling burnout, if you're not playing with your emotional boundaries, so to speak, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Like you're not enough of a contributing member of society. So like before we get into your journey and how you got from that point here, I just had to like go into that mental exercise and think of the fact that, yeah, we all leave our, live our lives to the, you know, to their fullest. We're, we're in a country that you know, one of the tenets is the pursuit of happiness. But we also have like a another role, even if we're the most capitalistic person in the world, even if we're literally Ayn Rand, we all can agree that there is a component of us being a member in society. And the better the society is, the better we're going to, our life is going to be. So, you know, yeah. kind of having a, a flirt with burnout, which we, I believe we all have. I mean, like in this society, even if you're meditating five hours a day, you're you're always flirting with burnout, whether you're a medical professional or not. It's just that the, the, the paradox of being a health professional and in order to be one, you have to kind of burn yourself out. It's a, it's a must is extremely weird because, you know, like in older societies, what is a medical professional? It's a person that embodies health the most and inspires other, other people to, be healthy, you know, and in our society, it's almost like either or. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just a state of the expectation just to be on all the time. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, it is. It's it's really unfortunate. It's a system that definitely needs to change. Okay, so uh, Kira, clue us in a little bit to, to the journey. Yeah. So it really began this journey of having me do like a life audit. <laughs> like everything I thought that was quote unquote right um, wasn't right for me. So um, I literally, you know, from running ultra marathons, I tore my labrum of my hip. And so from running hours, I was completely sedentary. I literally walk. And at first it was really challenging. Like, oh my God, what, what am I going to do with myself? Like, you know, that all the body image issues, fears and, and, and all of that, I'll, I'll name that, that, that was there too. And what am I going to do with my time and how, and then I was, gave myself permission to just be with the stillness. And I realized how much more time I had. And it really allowed me to explore like, all right, how am I nourishing myself? Not just with food, um, although that changed too. I really looked at, you know, what I was putting into my body and really looking at my why and how I was nourishing myself. It really gave me an opportunity to explore every facet of my life. I was all, you know, break it down into like tapping into your senses literally like mm-hmm. what are the stressors in my environment what is in my environment and really paying attention to especially with social media what is in my digital environment what am i paying attention to who is in my feed and does it make me feel good or every time i look at it do i feel like shit about myself and had to be you know very honest and check in um again, looking at my nutrition. And so going down the path of functional uh, nutrition and just learning as much as I could um, mm-hmm. and really focusing on the why, looking at sleep, right? Doing, uh, completely overhauling uh, my approach to sleep hygiene and understanding our circadian rhythm. I mean, it's not just our bodies that have a circadian rhythm. Our skin has its own circadian rhythm as well. So, you know, getting yeah. in sync with that, um, and so, and, and movement, right? Do, moving in a way that um, makes our body feel good, not just to morph it into a shape that society deems as um, attractive or valuable. And then skincare. I mean, I really had a look. I had never, I'm a dermatologist. I had never really looked at my labels before. And it really got me curious of like, oh my gosh, our skin is this living, breathing organ. And it absorbs what we put on it. What the hell am I putting on it? And so it took me down that path as well. So it was a complete life overhaul, but it really, again, it all came back to mindfulness, being mindful, paying attention with intention and not judging myself for it, really doing a lot of inner work of forgiveness and understanding that all of our basic needs are to be seen, heard, valued, and feel safe. And I realized, so, yeah, that was a big one for me. And how would you describe mindfulness? What does mindfulness mean to you? I think number one is checking in with your body. So this idea of, you know, you burn it out. You're, you're, you're doing something, right? And what about the being? So when you're working out, like I know for me, that all that running, oh, I was doing something. I thought I was running, you know, And I felt better after, but I literally was running away from myself. I was disconnecting. So I would just invite, you know, some curiosity. 
Like after your workout, how do you really feel? Was it just a distraction, right? Because our brain will offer us all sorts of things and, and, and there's all sorts of modalities. And I think thought work is great, but your body won't sugarcoat shit anything, right? It will give you direct information. So even your posture, like sitting up straight or are you hunched over? Like where in your body are you feeling? And, and there are many of us, as I was mentioning, you know, safe, safety. Not everyone feels safe enough to go into their body, especially if there's been a history of abuse and such. But you know when you feel agitated, irritable. And so it's an invitation to really pay attention, right? What is your intention for for burning it out? Are you trying to avoid something or is it really helping you process it through? And movement can be amazing, but there is, you know, you stress and distress <laughs> in terms of the stress you're putting on your body with that exercise. So that would be one thing. So what it reminds me, do you know, have you ever heard about The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? Have you ever heard about this book? I have heard about this book, yes. I love this book. because, In general, he's an amazing author. I, I think he's uh, doing something great as far as like allowing or enabling people to follow their their true calling by pushing them to to create but what i what i love about what you're saying and what he's saying is that a lot of the times you are going to not serve yourself your calling your body right and you're going to do other things in order to offset that feeling that energy so that can be either positive or negative so very very uh interesting and talking about the skin i think it's um you know our skin is an organ that is you know especially if we're not in our evolutionary or or in our uh, primary stage in our life where our body is building itself it's an organ that's kind of being left behind right it becomes more and more and more of a buffer organ to the rest of our body kind of sacrificing itself whether uh, to environmental damage or you know damage that we cause ourselves from within and it doesn't only tell us if we're if we're doing something wrong or if we're you know living suboptimally it's like if it, if you're not if you don't have all the uh, ducks in a row your skin is not going to function properly period like you have to have everything done right kind of yeah it's so funny i can't believe you said ducks i was like he's gonna say geese right you gotta like <laughs> you gotta have all your geese in a row <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that's very true, right? The skin just becomes this afterthought. Yeah. And, you know, the brain and the skin derive from the same embryologic layer of tissue. There's a bi-directional communication all the time. We give our brain so much airtime, mm -hmm. but your skin in terms of stress, we always think about activation of the stress response and activation of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis mm -hmm. and release of those hormones your skin actually has the exact same mechanism within it. Your skin has its own HPA axis. It has its own sympathetic adrenal medullary axis. So your skin is both a source and a target of the stress response, which is why it's not surprising. Like if you're embarrassed, you're going to blush. If you're you know, nervous, you might be have sweaty palms. When you're about to give a lecture or a presentation or go on that hot date or whatever it is, you might break out in acne because cortisol directly stimulates those oil glands, right? Mm -hmm. Which is one of the 
contributing factors of um, acne lesions. And it sets off a cascade of inflammation, that stress response, a second contributing factor to mm -hmm. acne. So it is, the skin is, and not everything is immediate, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with hair loss, stress um, can play a significant role in the hair growth cycle. And people might not notice that their hair is thinning and shedding until three to six months after a very mm -hmm. stressful event. So they're going about, they're like, I don't get it. My life is great right now. But yeah, three months ago, you might've gotten into a car accident. You had COVID, your divorce was finalized or you moved or like some something else, right? And we don't always connect the dots. And your skin is just this amazing reminder, protector, regulator that, you know, offers all these clues and information for you. Mm -hmm. So how do you, obviously we did, we did mention cortisol already a few times. How do you break down to the layman, the relationship, the relationship between stress, what stress does in the body, as far as like hormonal epinephrine and cortisol kind of levels, and then you know, aging, how do you incentivize someone who was extremely vain, you know, they only care about how they look to take care of their, their inner well-being or whatever. Yeah. So this, this won't necessarily help your sales per se, right? <laughs> but the greatest anti-aging, which I absolutely despise that term, right? Because uh -huh. I am, aging. we're all aging. I don't want to be anti-anything that I am. Right. I've lived so many of my years being anti me uh, for, so you know, um, socialized to believe that there was always something wrong. Um, mm. But to slow down the, the, you know, speed of aging, right, is to get all the stress in your life in a manageable sense to bring us back into relative balance and homeostasis. Mm. That is the greatest, quote unquote, hack to slowing down the aging process and longevity because cortisol, right? That primary stress hormone, talk about if you're vain, cortisol does a number on the supportive tissue. Like what people are um, injecting into to their faces, the hyaluronic acid and such, they don't want fine lines and wrinkles. Well, cortisol is breaking down the collagen and the elastin mm -hmm. in your skin and preventing its repair. So you're going to notice an acceleration of fine lines, wrinkles, and skin sag. Not only that, you know, our hormones are all derived from the same building blocks and your mm -hmm. body is wired for survival. It's going to prioritize production of stress hormones. And for those of us who are aging, you know, especially women who are in their mid thirties on up, you're heading into that perimenopausal phase of life where your sex hormones are already on the decline. Your body is going to prioritize production of the stress hormones over your sex hormones. So all the signs and symptoms you're seeing from declining sex hormones, like thinning of the skin, uh, hair growth, uh, vaginal dryness and such is going to be compounded by the stress because mm -hmm. any hormones that you kind of have on board, they're, the functions that they perform are going to take a backseat. Yeah, that's very interesting. Do you feel like sometimes people experience stress and then they experience, experience stress about their stress is that a phenomenon that's that's common like how do we stop the loop of you know stressing over stress because you know when i need to give a lecture like one of the most popular lecture that i'm asked to give is the stress skin relationship 
The problem is, is as we say, I, I start the lecture by saying, this is going to be a very stressful lecture. Um, <laughs> so my, my question is, what can we do to maybe preemptively handle stress? Like, how do you see that going or how do you do it personally? Yeah, I think that's such a good point, right? We stress about stress and it keeps us in this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with that doing, right? Yeah. A lot of what I do personally is I'm noticing, oh my God, here we go again. And I'm stuck in my head. And that's why mind-body medicine and the work that I do has been so profoundly helpful for me personally and then the the women that I work with because it really gets us out of our head and into our body and integrates ourselves as a whole. Mm -hmm. So even just checking in and noticing, okay, I'm feeling stressed, like just pausing for a second. Am I even breathing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's not something, and, and it literally, because because so much of that stress is we were worrying about what just happened, that conversation, you know, are, do they, did, did it go well, all that stuff. And then about what's about to happen. And we don't live in this present moment. Mm -hmm. So really just even checking in with our, our breath, are we breathing? How are we breathing? Putting a hand on, for me, like a soothing self-touch to release some of that feel-good hormone, that oxytocin, giving myself a little self-love hand on my chest, hand on my belly, and just like allow it, giving myself permission to just stop for a second. Mm -hmm. And it breaks the loop instantaneously without having to take, you know, 20 minutes to meditate per se, but it's just these quick check-ins constantly, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. sometimes, I mean, most of the times the best things to do for your skin is not your skincare regimen, right? Like oh, we're saying the, the number one ingredient for healthy skin is, is self-love. And for some people that's really hard. And mm -hmm. I'm sorry to cut off, but to your, to that point, you know, my interpretation of skincare is that skincare is everything you think, feel, and do. Because everything you think, feel, and do mm -hmm. either affects what shows up on your skin or how you show up in it right? Who you're being beneath that surface. Mm -hmm. So it is how you sleep. It is how you spend your time. It is how you eat. It is why you eat. It is, you know, what you do put on your skin, but it's, it's mm -hmm. all encompassing, right? It is, it is everything that you put on the surface and what's happening beneath it. And just even the act of skincare, right? That, or the word of skincare, I think we've lost sight of what that is. It's care for your skin. Mm -hmm. So even applying the products, do you just slap them on or do you do it, you know, with intention and, you know, a gentle touch and allowing, you know, making it a ritual and, you know, that soothing self-touch, showing yourself, showing your skin some love for being like, like your biggest protector, right? This skin, it regulates your temperature. It allows you to experience sensual, like senses and pleasure and keeps you warm. I mean, your skin is doing a badass job. Like, you know, show it a little, show it a little love. Yeah. So how do you, you know, sometimes let's say me, for example, I think I, I, I give myself a lot of self-love. You know, I, I pay attention to how I speak to myself, etc. But my worry is, is that if I'll just accept my, and, and that's a real worry. It's not even a talking point or anything. If I accept myself fully, I'm not going to be motivated to push myself further because mm -hmm. I, I I do feel it's a it's an issue with 
uh, high performers, like not 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 accepting themselves. It's almost like you needed to have judgmental parents, which I did not, but judgmental parents in order to be like a, a high performer. You need to have a chip on your shoulder in order to be a high performer. So how do you balance the two? How do you achieve all the goal, goals that you want in life, but also have radical self-acceptance? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely, this is why all of the stuff, it's called a practice. There is no <laughs> perfect and it's never, and it's never done. To your point about the high achievers that, you know, maybe had critical parents, that I think goes back to attachment issues and, you know, our core basic needs of being seen, heard and valued and feeling safe and not having those needs met at a young age. So we're looking outside ourselves for that validation, that perfectionism, the people pleasing, the overworking mm -hmm. to, to meet those needs. And it can serve us very well. We can have an, you know, a metric of success in terms of professional status or material goods. But again, how do you feel inside? If you feel mm -hmm. unfulfilled, if you feel empty, if your health just is in the shitter right now, then it's a matter of redefining what is high performance? Mm -hmm. What is high performance? Is it having loving, nurturing relationships? Is it, you know, really that idea of accepting who you are? That doesn't mean that you can't have goals, but mm -hmm. it's accepting who you are and deciding this is me. I can't run away from me. And I also want to find ways to express the fullest, ex fullest, you know, express the truest, most authentic version of who I am. And that means that I'm going to have to nourish my body with nutrient dense, you know, organic foods and sleep every day and spend time with people who really lift, lift me up and light me up. Right. It doesn't have to be this, or it can be both. And, but I think when we talk about high performers, high performance at, in what? Yeah, Life? I agree. I you agree. I, I, you know, you said during doing the work, it reminds me like one of the first experiences I've ever had in, I wouldn't call it fringe, but in just a different approach for life was doing the work. Do you know Byron Katie? Have you ever heard, uh, read about uh, the work and her work? Uh, yeah. That's one of the first experience I've, uh, experiences I've ever had with it. And I think if anyone needs like a like a framework to work with, that's a great framework, um, Byron, Byron Katie and, and doing the work, her book. Do you have any, any frameworks that you work with as far as cultivating self-love, cultivating intentional living, whatever you want to call that? Yeah. I mean, right now I'm, I'm deepening my own work and exploration and, and studying with some of the, you know, the front leaders in somatics and, and trauma therapy, mm -hmm. and really, again, creating that mind-body connection. So for me, it's a matter of um, constantly coming back to what am, what am I noticing in my body? A lot of times I want to, you know, a lot of us want to numb out or distract from because it's mm -hmm. uncomfortable. If I've got a pit in my stomach or a very buzzy energy in my chest, I don't want to feel that. Mm -hmm. But if I allow myself to just stay with it and just track it and follow it and give it permission to even just be there, it goes away. So kind of um, it's like a buffet of like all different um, uh, techniques, but like Richard Schwartz's internal family systems, right? We have mm -hmm. a lot of different parts of us, the critic, 
the naysayer, but then there's also the creative and, mm-hmm. you know, and so allowing, just recognizing that on any given day, the volume on some of those parts is going to be louder than others. And, and it's being comfortable with knowing that there's no way to get rid of them, to delete mm-hmm. them. They're always going to be there. But can you turn down the volume on the part that is not serving your capacity, your ability to do the things that you need to do and turn up the volume on the parts that are really, I guess, the most authentic parts of you, right? That mm-hmm. we always talk about, like the wounded um, parts of us or the, the inner child, the exiled parts. Um, and I think it's just a matter of being willing to be with the uncomfortable getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and making the invisible visible by just being present with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like very wooey, but, um, but it's literally like, it's just taking a moment to pause and not trying to dismiss or burn off the pit in my stomach. It's like getting really curious, like, okay, it's there. What's that all about? And not mm-hmm. overthinking it, but just like, all right, it's there. What does that feel like? If you could give it a color, what color would it be? Does it have anything to tell me? Like, is there a message that I need to hear right now? Yeah, and and this is a a muscle, you know. What I hear from that is why it's so important to be in, to do some mindfulness practice on a daily basis because it's correct. Like, you definitely can benefit from just, you know, communicating or being aware or communicating with your body at at a more fundamental level when something is going on. But I feel like it's much, much, much easier preemptively in stress in general, preemptively like priming ourselves, like whether it is through meditation and and kind of trying within a meditation session to kind of make yourself feel a certain way and then recognizing how your body behaves in that when when that happens and then going back and and noticing it when there is a real live scenario of of that feeling arising or something similar to that, I feel it's a much easier, it's a much easier system if we, if we do want to kind of consciously train ourselves to, to deal with uh, day-to-day stressors. Because one of the things that I see people do uh, to deal with stress is trying to find ways to kind of minimize stress per se. And um, it's, to me, it's not really realistic. Like, if you're going to live life, you're going to, you should expect to have crises, heartbreaks, pits in stomachs, etc. Yeah, exactly. And I know this is kind of a biohacking space, right? Mm-hmm. But you really can't biohack the work mm-hmm. to help manage stress in many ways. There are tools that can help facilitate, but we all really have to do the work. Right. So many of us are just like, and, and also realize, listen, nothing's gone wrong just because you feel stressed mm-hmm. or you might be beating yourself. Like nothing has gone wrong. You don't need to be fixed. Right. It's just an opportunity to be like, Hey, I kind of feel not so great. Like what can I do to help myself? And sometimes you feel helpless or hopeless. And that's where it is oftentimes hard to do this work on your own. Mm-hmm. So seek help right? Can be really important, really helpful. Yeah. You know, I'm getting two things from what you're saying. Just one in general, we're talking about the skin or we're talking about our body and about aging, etc. 
you know, an example I'd like to give a lot of times is that, you know, they, they, they looked at children and how they, how they grow literally in height. And they see that, you know, we have the, the saying growth, growth spurts for a reason. Children can, can, you know, skip a few days of not growing at all at all, zero. And then in one day, they're going to create, they're going to have a growth spurt. And unfortunately, we're also aging kind of in the same way. We're going to, our body's going to be in more or less in homeostasis. We're going to, we're going to have our body functioning optimally and not accumulating that, those errors that amount to what aging is. But then there's going to be a stressful event. There's going to be something that, that gets us off balance. And that is what is going to age us very fast. So whether it is skincare, whether it is like self-care, most of the time what you're doing is you're, you're building mechanisms for your body to be able to deal with, with the stressors, with the imbalance when it comes. And, and that's kind of the, the, the goal, right? We're sometimes like when we're, when we're looking at, you know, whatever article to get good abs in 60 days or whatever that is, it's not living according to nature. nature what we need to do is like to build certain level of competence whatever wh- whether it's mental physical preparing for d-day like your body should be functionally ready for some type of stress and not like applying techniques for the body to appear like it is ready for <laughs> i don't know for a stress of an ab crunch or i don't know what yeah so that's one thing i'm getting from you but the other is I think we are all thinking of like even biohacking or whatever you want to call that as things that should go against our our nature or against nature in general like how can we tr- we trick our body to do something that it is it's foreign to it or is not designed to do or is not where the body you know is kind of going towards and I really think of biohacking or I see the the form of biohacking of how do we develop like the optimal most optimal lifestyle to in the end result in in happiness right in 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 fulfillment in in uh, a life well lived I think that's the real biohacking like life hacking if you, if you want to call it so you know we we've been talking for for a while but I, I really want to learn, like, we did speak about the moment, but what do you do as far as, like, building that resilience? How does your, what are your favorite practices to deal with on a constant basis? Yeah. What are your non-negotiables? My non-negotiables are, I definitely move my body in some way every day. Ideally, I mm-hmm. live in the Northwest, so getting, and I'm a, <laughs> I, I still do not like the rain. So uh, um, <laughs> often as I can, I try and move my body outdoors so I can see the see the water. I live on an island and, and seeing the water is very soothing, being out in nature. So that's a non-negotiable, moving my body in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Every morning, starting my day just with just checking in with myself. How am I feeling today? What do I need today? That's That's a big one. And offering that to myself. And it can look different you know, mm-hmm. every day. Again, like I'm, I'm sitting here constantly. I've got my hand on my chest. So a big one is just, just feeling the resonance of my own touch and the warmth and just, you know, releasing that oxytocin like throughout the day to just regulate my own nervous system. That is like a non-negotiable. I have some Himalayan uh, singing bowls on my shelf. And so throughout the day, I will just like, you know, 
hit then to like the resonance of, cause sound, the frequency is just so healing. These are just like little things mm-hmm. and eating is a big mm-hmm. one. I really have gone back to sitting. I used to like eat in front of the computer and there are times that, you know, I, I catch myself, but, but being so mindfully aware when I'm eating just to eat mm-hmm. and it just slowed me down and I didn't have a lot of weight to lose, but like uh, so much inflammation and, and weight has come off just because I'm paying attention and savoring the flavors and enjoying. And I'm finding, wow, I'm, I was, I'm full before I would have just like eaten the whole bag of chips. And now I'm like, all right, you know, it's just, it is amazing. So those are kind of my non-negotiables doing something every single day that makes me laugh or smile. Cause laughter is for sure the biggest, the, like the, the best medicine ever. Yeah. Those are, I think those are my top ones. For sure. You know, I think it's a little psychotic the way I think of food, to be honest with you, because I get it. If someone's going to say, you know, when I eat, I want to, you know, chew the number of times or I want to think of how grateful I am to live in a society where food is abundant and I don't need to, you know, whatever, I don't need to struggle to, you know, to eat well or you know, I think of people in less fortunate circumstances than I, and I wish them all the best. And I'm thinking how this, so my my approach is a little psychotic. Like I try and follow the walls protocol for the most part, and I eat a lot of um, roots, root vegetables. I eat a lot of um, mushrooms and fermented food, and I do eat. Uh, I, I eat about 150 grams of protein a day, if not more. And my favorite way to connect with food and what I feel serves me is to think of whatever food that that was and think of its life in nature and what it, you know, went through to come to my plate. The reason I'm saying it's psychotic because it's now being eaten by me and I, you know, and I believe that, you know, plants are are as living as, as animals. Their pace is much slower, so we don't perceive it as life. But I do think that, you know, we consume life in any form, never mind what we're eating. Saying that sounds really good, but then I'm thinking of the fact that this life is now serving me. So it's really, I'm not expecting anyone else to do that. I think if someone is more like Anastasia, for example, my life partner, if she's a lot more, you know, she has a lot more empathy, I guess, for the living. She, If she thought of it that way, it's going to, you know, it's not going to be a good thing. But I think that is those type of things are my favorite mindfulness practices whether it is you know applying skincare on whatever whether it is eating whether it is breathing having appreciation for whatever journey needed to happen for order for in order for me to enjoy it to me is the optimal uh kind of mindfulness and and um self-love kind of act yeah, absolutely. I think to that point, it's this concept of like the interpersonal, the interconnected, intraconnected, like we all are connected. And and I, before I eat, you know, I do, I, you know, I, I, I do have a gratitude practice, but it even boils down to like, you know, everything that went into making this food. And I, I always wind up cracking myself up because I always begrudge, we've got three dogs, Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of dog poop, right? And so I'm like, even that, right? Because it's fertilizing the soil. <laughs> it's just, and it and it reminds me that like 
It is not just me. And Dan Siegel has a new book, uh, Dr. Dan Siegel. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I think it is called Interconnected, but he has this, he's coined this term, we, me plus we, right? Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that everything is connected, right? That is that life cycle and it continues. And I think it's, it's really valuable to acknowledge that as part of your practice. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't know if you've ever read um, Jonathan Haidt's. I, I mention him quite a lot. Um, he wrote um, The Happiness Hypothesis and The Coddling of the American Mind, which are two books that I think are imperative as far as like um, tools for taking things under proportion or like a historical view of correct living for happiness or whatever you want to call that. And, you know, through the ages, it it always seems to be a connection to the grand scheme of things or understanding your life's futility as far as like how seriously you're taking them that really serves you in the long run to to be happy. And I know it's a conversation about skincare, but I think we're doing a good service um, trying right? everything, to... Everything is skincare, right? It's funny, yeah, but it's funny do, like... So it's <laughs> yeah, but it's funny like, you know, uh, like a, a CEO of a skincare company saying on a podcast dedicated to like, you know, kind of to their audience saying, yeah, it's all futile if you take it under <laughs> the right proportions, you know. <laughs> it's all the only thing that's important is for you to be happy and everything else is you know whatever minuscule but it really is i mean understanding that you are the only one who's taking your life seriously is kind of the recipe for happiness and you know you mentioned humor i mean that's that's what humor is right like that that building of tension and then that breaking of that tension is what to us is the kind of the recipe for humor and and for us to laugh. So we have to have the tension building up and breaking um, Mm -hmm. and not taking it too seriously that you're holding on to it. Yeah, so beautifully said. I wanted to take a quick break for this episode to chat with you about our Young Goose skincare product and our special offer for our podcast listeners. Our products are the world's first biohacking skincare products. And what they aim to do is to reboot uh, your skin cells to a youthful state so they can correct the cellular damage that is accumulated over time. Our favorite products and the one that we recommend everyone to start with are is our care concentrated moisturizer that can be used as both a day and a night cream. What this product is really specially delivering to the skin is our NAD precursors that are nano-sized and lipolized. They are both NR and NMN. And what they aim to do is to fuel the repair processes that our skin engages in by activating also our sirtuins, which are our anti-aging genes or our longevity genes that are responsible for DNA repair and basically repairing who we are really as human beings. In order to do that in the most effective way, we combine it with our enhanced resveratrol, which is fermented resveratrol that allows resveratrol to be 50 times more bioavailable in the skin and actually non-toxic because most people don't know that resveratrol is actually toxic for the skin since the skin doesn't have the enzyme to break it down like our gut does. 
So by fermenting the, the resveratrol and introducing the enzymes in the fermentation process, we can obviously make it non-toxic and 50 times more bioavailable. And care concentrated moisturizer also has 10 more active ingredients that support those processes, such as CoQ10, PQQ, two forms of vitamin C, and even turmeric and B vitamins. This is the first product we recommend. The second is eye care, which is a version of care specifically for the eyes. It also contains our NAD precursors and also contains very, very advanced peptides, our proprietary complex that includes GHKCU, a copper peptide that is very famous for its anti-aging abilities. The third product we recommend is our ProCare Serum. And that is a very special serum because it interacts with the mTOR pathway, which is a pathway that is very famous for its ability to affect how we age. So this product does a few things, but really what it does, it eliminates senescent cells, which are cells that harm our skin because our skin couldn't clear them very well. So it eliminates those, regenerates the skin. It stimulates the mitochondria with lilac uh, cell culture extract. And it also has a very strong and effective form of vitamin C that is well known to help the skin regenerate itself. Combining these three products by first applying ProCare, then eye care, and then care will give you the best results you've ever experienced for your skin and that we guarantee. If you would like to try these products, you can head over to younggoose.com to our website. And when checking out, please use the promo code PODCAST20 in all capital letters in order to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, head over to younggoose.com and use promo code PODCAST20 in all capitals for 20% off your first purchase. And now let's get back to the podcast. So, so Kira, kind of to, what I, what I, my evil plan with this conversation was to get people kind of hooked on, on your messaging, on your journey and kind of having them now having you as part of their information diet. Uh, because <laughs> I have you part of a my information diet and I feel it, it served me personally. So what would be the best way to connect to your flow of information? Yeah, so I'm not that active on social, but I'm on Instagram at Dr. Kira Barr. I recently launched a podcast called The Skinny mm-hmm. Dipping Prescription and an episode dropped today. So that's all about, you know, again, everything that we think, feel, and do is skincare. And it's about mm-hmm. sex, intimacy, relationships, everything that affects who we are in our skin and mm-hmm. what shows up on it. My website is Dr. Kira Barr. Yeah, those are the main places. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I highly recommend uh, your podcast. I highly recommend uh, your social media, uh, Instagram. You know, the activity that you do have there is is spot on. I mean, I, I love it. So, again, Kira, I, I super appreciate you coming on the podcast. I think that this episode is, even though it was kind of a, just a conversation between two people, uh, this is kind of what I imagined when I had a podcast, when, I, when we were, you know, kind of thinking to have a podcast a few years ago, is how do we, to your point, how do we inject some goodness into people's uh, information diets? So thank you for allowing me, allowing us to 
get that information diet out there. And uh, yeah, anything to say before we, we wrap up? No, I just want to thank you. This, yeah, I think it's redefining what skincare truly is, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. skincare products are a part of that, but this is just a beautiful conversation and opportunity to expand how we think about skincare. So thank you for mm-hmm. creating this container. Yeah, I think I'm challenging everyone who has been listening up to here so far to put a skincare, their skincare regimen on their calendar for a week. Let's see what happens. Like if you literally say, okay, I have 15 minutes uh, morning, 15 minutes in the evening, that this is a block of time that I dedicate to taking care of my skin. Uh, let's see how this goes. Maybe you can put some nice music in the background, some candles, whatever that is uh, for you. Let's try it for a week. Let's see what's happening. Yeah, and I would I would offer too, most people are going to do their skincare in their bathroom and there's a mirror. And mm-hmm. when you look at yourself in the mirror, if you can do your very best to look past your perceived flaws, mm-hmm. the wrinkles or the dark circles, and look past to the person who's under that skin, right? And treat them with loving kindness. It'll be, you know, just that's going to be a bit of a challenge, but I think that's where the magic happens. So then applying the skincare, making it a ritual, maybe a little bit easier to be kinder and gentle to yourself. Amen. You could put some uh, Dr. Kira Bar in the background. It's going to help you. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Kira, thank you so much. You're, you're an amazing person also to speak to in person, also here on the podcast. I, I wish you all the best. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much.